0: You're listening to For the Readers, a podcast to invest in all those readers of Scripture proclaiming the gospel in their faith communities. Each week, we'll read the gospel text as set out by the Revised Common Lectionary and then offer what may be beneficial and formational for the reader, covering such things as aid in pronunciation, an exploration for context, connections, and curiosities, consideration of the passage's emotional tone and how this specific text may be read well and thus heard in a life-giving way and offering one of many possible views of what may be essential within the text. Finally, we will close with a prayer, poem, or some other piece that emerges in connection with our gospel reading. All this to offer greater familiarity and a deeper interconnection with the scripture which can become a fertile ground for the spirit to be transforming the reader and thus the community further into christ likeness may we have the mind of christ the holy gospel of our lord jesus christ according to matthew now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that i have commanded you and remember i am with you always to the end of the age the gospel of the lord before we explore our reading i want to take a minute and uh, direct you over to the show notes i've uploaded a document there that demonstrates how it is that i get ready to to read scripture and i have a habit of uh i copy just the text i remove the verse numbers the footnotes the header um even the text before or after and then i paste it in the middle of a document and it's 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 well i guess you could say it's it's a naked it's the naked text and then from there i um i read and i draw i i i draw circles around things i draw lines i write notes above and to the side uh, sometimes I'll, you know, there's a little asterisks that that hit on sort of big points, and all of this is just really uh, it's a it's an outward expression of what's happening inside me. You could, I suppose, say it's sacramental, lower S sacramental, um, it, it, but it it's just revealing what's happening inside me as I'm getting ready. And why I bring this up is um, you don't need to do what I do. Um, you, you can have, a, you should have the sort of the process or the approach that works well for you. But what is critical is that the first time we read the scripture, the gospel reading is not on Sunday morning or whatever environment it is we're reading it. That there is some sort of authentic experience, inner experience that we have with what it is that we are bringing forth to our community. And so this is just one way that someone, me, does it. And what's important is just that we do it, that we prepare prayerfully. So let's begin with the uh, the first phrase. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. So that first word we, we bump into now uh, does a really good job of starting us out and anchoring us that this moment is happening in the present that the the sending of god's people is presently happening this is ha- happening in the present for those disciples it's happening in the now for them and it's happening in the present in the now for us as we read these words of christ we are represented with our call to go into the world to go now and who goes now it's the 11 disciples and when I hear 11, when I hear the, the the number 11, I'm immediately thinking about who wrote this gospel. And it's Matthew, who was once a tax collector. And uh, here Matthew is using numbers as um, as an expression of a deep, inescapable reality of grief. It's 11, not 12. It's one less than it had been, and maybe we could say one less than, than everyone had hoped or wanted it to be. This wasn't the future that they, they wanted together. And so Matthew, who is counting, who's a counter, uses how he sees the world to help us to encounter um, the deep reality of this moment, how it is, along with many other things, filled with, with some grief uh, for them. And where do the 11 go? They go home. They return to their home base, either where they're from or where they've been from for the last few years as they followed Jesus of Nazareth. And they're not there because they're afraid or they're confused, although they they probably are. Um, They're there because they're still being disciples. They're still the disciples. They're still listening to the direction of their teacher. And how beautiful is it that while they're confused, while they're afraid, they're still listening to their rabbi. May may that be true for us. May that be true about us. And not only are they still listening to Jesus, but we continue, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. They're listening to him and they're looking for him. They're seeing him. And when they see him, they have two responses that I think we are prone to see in conflict. There's worship and there's doubt. And I want to suggest a little more of a complicated reading here that what we're seeing happen isn't two groups of people, right, the worshipers and the doubters. But in fact, what we're seeing is that each of the 11 is a little bit of both, just like each of us is a little bit of both, just like every single person who encounters Christ is a little bit of both. We're all worshiping through our doubts. Continuing with the reading, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He sends the doubters. The doubters are sent. He doesn't say, Worshipers to my right and doubters to my left. Those of you who got it right, you go. And those of you who are doubting, you need to repeat um, a grade. There's remedial work, right? Like we got some work to do before you can be sent out. He doesn't do that. He says to all of them, those who are worshiping and those who are doubting or those who are worshiping and doubting, it doesn't really matter because the doubt doesn't disqualify you. It doesn't hold you back. It doesn't mean you're not sent. Rather, the doubt is something precious for us. We have a tendency um, to think of the doubt as something external to us that is imposing itself upon us that we need to exercise. But what I think is more true um, is that th- that the doubt is us. The doubt is me. My doubt is me. there it's my feelings. and they are um, they it's me asking me, to engage or to deal with something or to bring something to Christ to be healed and there is we we, we want to get rid of our doubts that seems to be a pretty common uh, thing that, that humans want. We want to get rid of our doubts and it's a good thing, but how we get rid of them, um, is really important. In fact, we don't really want to, getting rid of them is maybe the wrong idea, right? When we, when we sort of like scalpel them out or we shove them down or we ignore them or, you know, any of those things we engage with, uh, we engage in what somebody really, somebody really wise and dear calls this, um, spiritual bypass. And when we when we bypass these things like doubt, we miss out on what they have to say to us or what we have to say to us, or we miss out on engaging with or addressing things that are really important for us to engage with and address. Um, in fact, you if you don't deal with it, if you don't listen to yourself, if you don't listen to your doubts, if you don't engage with them... You, um, you, you, you can slow down your formation into Christ-likeness. In uh, worst case scenario, you can actually completely stop it. And so we need to learn how to recognize and engage with these doubts. W- with questions like, what don't you believe? What, what do you doubt? Why do you doubt it? What do you, what's underneath that doubt? Um, where do you, where do you, th- where do you feel it? Like when the doubt comes up, where, where, do you, what is it? What happens within your body? Is it something that makes you want to run? Does it make you want to completely clamp down and sort of get to the bottom of what our our bodies and our minds are telling us about ourselves? <laughs> so this this doubt thing that comes in here, it doesn't disqualify them. They're still sent. Um, I think part of it is because doubt isn't the boogeyman we've thought it to be, or we've maybe labeled it to be. But also, and, and this is you know goes further with it, where else are we supposed to go with our doubts than to Christ? And where is Christ but, and then again I'm picking up at the end of the passage, with us always. So why doesn't Christ keep the doubters home? Because Christ is everywhere, and doubt isn't the problem we thought it was in fact i would take it one step further still and maybe recognize that uh doubt shows us that we're actually really paying attention to what's happening i mean if you didn't if you're one of the eleven okay right there's that twinge of grief if you're one of the eleven and you don't have doubt in this moment are you really there are you paying attention um to what's happening because you've got to be confused and then here's something curious uh, from from the text. Jesus says, he tells them, he says, I'm with you always to the end of the age, which brings courage, right? It's encouraging to the hearer to remember that Christ is and will be with you, that it's Christ's promise. And so while this invitation to remember, I think we can link it to what they've been through It's also probably important for us to recognize that he's asking them to remember a reality that they really haven't been through, at least in this new life that they're now living with Christ, right? And so I'm wondering if there's maybe a little more here, and instead of it being Christ saying, remember what I've done and how it's all worked out, it's rather an invitation to remember who I am. Like, remember how I feel about you, what I think about you, what my disposition is towards you. Remember that I love you and that my love means I will never leave you. So let's go back and sort of accumulate the different things um, that we've observed here to sort of inform us towards uh Uh, an emotional tone and an essence sort of of this text. Um, We begin with noticing the, the way Matthew forces us to grapple with the reality of the grief that is underneath this moment, right? It is a present, um, it's a present, it is a, present character almost in in the text we're reading. But how these grieved disciples have not yet given up being discipled, right? They're still listening. They're still doing what disciples do, and that is taking direction from their rabbi. And it has them moving back into a space that offers them some sort of um, comfort, or, or home. They're they're in they're in Galilee. They're somewhere in Galilee. They're in one of the mountains in the Galilee area. And while they're grieved, but yet still being directed, they are in a complicated space because they feel. Uh, they have two different things that are coming out of them towards towards christ there's worship is coming out and doubt is coming out. These two things are happening all at once, and the doubt isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely a thing that troubles us when we encounter it and so while those things are true while they're while 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 doubt exists in them, Jesus still sends them he still sends them out to baptize. Um, he sends them out in in this, we didn't dig this at all, but he sends them out in what is an Abrahamic sort of reality, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations is is like a recapitulating of of Genesis 12, 1 through 4, where God tells Abram to leave his family, his home, his kindred, and go to the land that God will show him. And the, in that place, as, as Abram goes, God will make uh, Abram and his wife, and what's happening in their family, a blessing to all of the peoples of the earth and Then there's this sweet promise that comes at the end that that certainly has some sort of connection to to what specific things they have gone through and how how Christ was present to them even in those moments is true. But also maybe it's a revealing or an invitation to not to remember what Christ has done, um, but also to remember who Christ is and that, that presence, right? Christ is ever present with them. This Pentecost reality um, is embedded deeply in this Matthew Matthew moment. And so we have this almost as like a kind of an ambivalent text, right? Ambivalent being where we feel a bunch of things all at once. Um, they're feeling this moment is containing a lot of things. But but no matter those things, they're still being sent. There's a future. There's um, There's a sacred mission. There's a sentness to this that will not be held back by anything. And so then Christ sends them. Okay, and though I've really wanted to talk about the Trinity of Trinity Sunday, the feast day, that thing which this Matthew 28 verse is supporting, I've kept us focused on just being with the text. And so leave the Trinity of Trinity Sunday to the sermons, the books, the other blog posts, the other wonderful things out there, except for this closing poem from Malcolm Geith called Trinity Sunday peace be with you friends as you live within the Christ is with you always reality of Trinity Sunday and our being sent out into the world to be a blessing to everyone Amen Trinity Sunday by Malcolm Geith In the beginning not in time or space but in the quick before both space and time in life and love, in co-inherent grace, in three in one, and one in three in rhyme. In music, in the whole creation story, in his own image, his imagination, the triune poet makes us for his glory and makes us each the other's inspiration. He calls us out of darkness, chaos, chance, to improvise a music of our own, to sing the chord that calls us to the dance, three notes resounding from a single tone, to sing the end in whom we all begin, our God beyond, beside us and within. Praise God, from whom blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host Praise Father, Son, and Holy.